This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, August 5th. I'm Matt Hoysh. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, as Delta spreads, be smart. Telluride School District prepares for a new year. County opens the gate for West End RV Park and Campground Development. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... A Tucson, Arizona woman in her early 50s died on Thursday after a fall on the Via Ferrata in Telluride. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, the woman fell around 200 feet from the climb. EMS and search and rescue were immediately dispatched. The woman was deceased when the first responders arrived. Kodo News will have more information on the incident on its Friday newscast. On Wednesday, San Miguel County Sheriff Deputies, Search and Rescue, and the Telluride Fire Protection District responded to a rescue mission of a 72-year-old Denver man who tumbled down as much as 1,000 vertical feet in the Navajo Basin while hiking Wilson Peak. Hikers spotted the injured man and contacted dispatch. Rescuers flew in on a helicopter and carried the man in a litter down treacherous terrain to the helicopter. He was flown to the Telluride Airport for transport to St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction. According to the sheriff's office, the hiker suffered multiple traumatic injuries and is considered lucky to have been spotted by the group of unrelated hikers. Roughly 30 people were involved in the rescue. As the more infectious Delta variant of COVID-19 spreads, Dr. Sharon Grundy has a simple message. Be smart. Be thinking about not just yourself, but your family and your community. I want my kid to be in school all year. I want businesses to stay open. I want to have a ski year. And if I think we're careful about what we do and make smart choices, we can do all this. That's Grundy speaking on KOTO on Thursday. Grundy is a physician at the Telluride Regional Medical Center and San Miguel County Medical Officer. Vaccines, she stresses, are still the best defense against the virus. Though she adds no vaccine is 100% effective, and data shows the Delta variant has reduced their effectiveness at preventing symptomatic COVID. But she stresses they're still good at preventing severe illness. And those numbers are staying very high in the upper 80 percentile of like you won't get hospitalized. Still, she says the Delta variant is a significantly more contagious version of the virus. So it's wise to layer on some other protective measures. San Miguel County recommends all people wear masks indoors, regardless of vaccination status. For her part, Grundy says she's wearing masks in smaller spaces where she doesn't know other people's vaccination status. I'm going to ask people if they come over to my house for dinner and we have a a little dinner party, like, hey, is anybody symptomatic? And are you vaccinated? If I have a book club, I'm going to do the same thing. And the safest choice for gatherings, she says, is still being outside. So if I'm outdoors at a barbecue, I'm going to let it be. If I have a bunch of kids over who are younger than 12 and not vaccinated, we're going to try to do that outside. So we just, we have to be um, making smart choices choices and it's all the stuff we've been doing. I don't think we have to be as strict as we were in November or in May when we kind of have these huge surges. But I I think we should all be thinking about like, hey, what what should I do to kind of be a little bit more careful? Still, the decision making at this point will largely be from private citizens. 
Grundy says it would take a lot to go back to legal restrictions at the county level. We have to be prepared for anything because a different virus can come along. You know, things happen. But like for right now, I think there is no kind of political will to put down strict restrictions. Uh, but if we're all sensible, it doesn't have to come to that. As far as additional COVID vaccine doses, so far, Grundy says, there isn't enough data to say whether a booster shot would be warranted. I think that's probably coming down the pipelines, mm -hmm. but it won't be for, I think, a while. Looking ahead, Grundy is thinking about three big changes that underscore the need to be smart with personal health choices. First, schools are starting back up in person. That's a big event where all of a sudden we have people and a, a lot of them are not vaccinated because of the age restriction with getting a vaccine uh, are intermingling. Their schools are all going to do it sa as safely as they kind of they seem as they're kind of interpreting the data. So that's a big new mixture of people indoors. Next, changing weather. So as we get into October, November, we all leave the outside and come indoors. And finally, flu season will start to ramp up later in the year. So in the coming months, Grundy urges the community to practice what she calls a collective mindfulness. Really trying not to wait till a restriction comes. Like, what are we doing? Like, we all individually know kind of what works. So let's just be smart about it. More information about the regional COVID response, including upcoming testing and vaccine opportunities, is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. The school bells are getting polished and the chalk is coming out of the boxes. The Telluride Arwen School District is preparing to start its 2021-2022 school year. Superintendent John Pandolfo has high hopes for what it'll look like. We are always looking to get as safely back to anything close to quote-unquote normal as we possibly can. While the district is leaps and bounds from March 2020, COVID will still make its mark on this year, namely masks. Certainly there's many people out there who don't consider wearing masks normal. Um, when I look at last year where we didn't know if we were going to have students in person, where we didn't know how much we were going to need to quarantine, a lot of those other pieces, if the worst that happens is that we need to have some mask wearing this year, then I feel like um, that's a heck of a lot better than we were. He notes dynamics around COVID will likely continue to change and the district will adjust accordingly. But for the time being, masks will be optional for students um, at the middle high school level and that flows into athletic activities. He adds, of course, any student who feels more comfortable wearing a mask will be respected. Those in younger grades who are not yet eligible for the vaccine will still need to wear masks. We will likely have our adults there wear masks along with students. And parents will be allowed back in the building for the first day of school and throughout the year as long as they mask up. Currently, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention suggests all people, regardless of vaccination status, wear masks while in school buildings. But Pandolfo notes that's national guidance. A one-size-fits-all for our entire country um, may not make as much sense. Pandolfo says the district is following state recommendations that say if you are in a community with high vaccination, Fully masking isn't necessary. If we find out in a couple of weeks that um, that's not working, then we will change course. When it comes to learning styles, Pandolfo notes last year the district cohorted students as much as possible. That will look different this year. That was a sacrifice we had to make because of COVID and what we knew and didn't know at the time. 
we know more now and we feel it's important that we get students into their various enrichment intervention groups, for example, and being able to mix in ways that we didn't do last year because that's important for their development. Allowing students to be back fully in person means the district will not provide a fully remote option for students. I don't want to take away the opportunity for anyone who feels like that is the best option, but the reality is we we have to be we have to be able to use the resources we have to provide the best education for children. Again, we started last year with a lot of unknowns. We had no idea how much we could be in person. We had no idea how much we would be remote. So we put a system in place that was able to accommodate that. We know we still may need, may need to pivot this year. But I think one thing that came out of last year is an absolute conviction on everyone's part that in-person learning has to be the highest priority. There are online options for learning available through the state. Pandolfo says those options just won't be available on the district level. He notes he has not heard from many families looking to go remote this year. On an administrative side, Pandolfo says the district does not plan to require vaccinations for staff. I think there is a level of personal choice which is important, and I honestly don't believe, thinking about how we use our resources, if I or anyone who's employed in this district were to be um, were to be using our resources to try to monitor and or enforce and or require, you know, vaccinations. Um, I just don't feel like it would be a good use of our resources. However, he notes the district will comply if a vaccination mandate comes from the county, state, or federal government. Of course, aside from COVID, the school district is moving ahead with a number of other projects. Pandolfo says the district recently hired a new board-certified behavioral analyst and a dual immersion coordinator. He says the positions will help the district become even stronger when it comes to both academic and social-emotional learning. In addition, the school district recently submitted a state grant to add solar panels to the roof of the school building. It could lead us to be the first um, fully solar district in the school district in the state. For the second and a half year in a row, school will look different for students and staff in the Telluride region. But slowly and surely, it's starting to look a little more normal. The Telluride School District school year will kick off Wednesday, August 18th. Registration for the year is available at TellurideSchool.org. Tune in on Tuesday, August 17th for an off-the-record program looking at the beginning of the school year. RV parks and campgrounds are now allowed in the Wrights Mesa Rural Agricultural Zone District on the west end of San Miguel County. County commissioners approved the changes to the county's land use code at a meeting this week, paving the way for private development. Currently, there are no privately owned RV parks or campgrounds in the county. They're all Forest Service, BLM, and then, of course, Town of Telluride. That's County Planning Director Kay Simonson briefing the Board of County Commissioners this week. Under the land use code changes, any RV parks or campgrounds would have to go through a two-step process to attain a special use permit. Any development in the area will have to balance economic opportunities with goals in the Wrights Mesa Master Plan to protect the rural and agricultural character of the area. Simonson, however, isn't too worried. This is an economic opportunity, economic development opportunity that people in the Norwood area have said they do desire and they think it's important to have this. 
that can be compatible with agriculture um, through proper design. As part of that proper design, RV parks and campsites can be no larger than five acres, and there can only be three campground or RV park sites in the district. Visitors can stay on the sites for no more than 30 days within a 120-day period. In previous discussions, the county commissioners wanted to consider a shorter limit, but Simonson wants to keep it at 30 days to stay consistent with short-term lodging standards. But add in there the ability to reduce to shorter a shorter time period if determined necessary to reduce impacts, and that way we can be case by case rather than arbitrarily ad- adopting a 7-14-21 day period. Sites will have to have access to water under pressure, and landscaping plans must include water-conserving measures as well as drought-tolerant plants. The sites must also be accessible from a state highway or paved county road maintained year-round. Simonson says there was a request in public comment to reduce another requirement that 10% of any developed sites be common recreational open space, but she isn't making that change. I don't have anything compelling right now to show that the 10% is excessive, um, so I would prefer to keep it. The BOCC unanimously approved the land use code changes to allow RV parks and campgrounds in the Wrights Mesa Rural Agricultural Zone District on the west end of the county. The town of Mountain Village will begin accepting applications for its annual community grant program on Friday. The aim of the grant is to support programs in Mountain Village that foster a healthy community. Town officials point to services that promote health, education, athletics, arts and culture, and environment. According to Mountain Village, applicants should show how a proposed program makes significant, measurable, and direct service to Mountain Village residents, businesses, guests, and employees, and supports year-round economic vitality in Mountain Village. The Telluride Foundation administers the grant on behalf of the Town of Mountain Village. Applications are available at townofmountainvillage.com grants. The deadline to apply is 5 p.m. on Friday, September 3rd. San Miguel County is the best place in Colorado to own a small business. That's according to a study by Smart Asset, a financial technology company based in New York. Smart Asset looked at three main factors to identify the best county for small business owners. The percentage of people in the county with small business income, how much income those businesses received, and the amount of tax a resident must pay on their income. San Miguel County came in number one, beating out Pitkin, Ure, Hinsdale, and Gunnison counties as the top five. The Colorado Independent Congressional Redistricting Commission has pushed back their deadline for final redistricting maps to October 1st. KVNF's Kate Redmond has more. The Colorado Sun reports final population data from the U.S. Census Bureau used to draw the maps will be more than four months late. The panel will also use that extra time to hold additional public hearings. In a briefing to the Supreme Court, the Colorado Secretary of State's office warned that failing to adopt final maps by the end of the year would require that the June 2022 primary be pushed back. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees and patches of smoke. 
Friday should be mostly sunny with a high in the mid-70s and a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Friday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 50 degrees and a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms, along with widespread smoke. Saturday calls for sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees and areas of smoke in the morning. Saturday night should be clear with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, August 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206.